started here, Philippians chapter number 3, and uh, we're going to continue looking here and studying uh, the issues about who we are, and uh, we've been thinking about these five core issues of uh, what uh, statements concerning who we are here at Southwest Bible Fellowship, and uh, this morning we're going to look at a life that you can live. And uh, I had asked that we sing that anchor hold song uh, because of what it talks about and the anchor that holds us, again, who we are in Christ. And, and again, Philippians 3, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And again, I just, we're just tree-topping, just looking at things in a very broad way, really to refresh our mind. The whole of this year, the goal, my theme this whole year was the grace reset, just resetting our thinking about things, and, and, and this is in that area here about just reminding ourselves, and, and when, we, when we talk here about a life you can live, uh, you know, that's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for acceptance. And when you think about that, you and I have all of that in who we are in Christ. Come over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we'll just kind of get into this and get going here. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And, and the, the thing about it is, is when people are looking for that, they're, they're, uh, you know, we're looking for success, to have a successful life and a life, you know, full of things, you know, and, and what's interesting is, is the things don't last, do they? You know, we all have, you, you think about a house, you know, the house next door, the remodeling and doing different things in it. You know, there's, there's electric in that house that goes back to the day it was built. That's, you know, it's like, whoa, okay, well, maybe we ought not to have the cloth insulation anymore. <laughs> maybe not, maybe we need this, maybe we, you know, and it's like, wow, okay, you know, and so we make those up. They don't last, you know. It's here today, gone tomorrow, the fleeting of it. And yet when we come and we understand that we have a life that we can live, that life is eternal. First Thessalonians 2 verse 13 is kind of the, was the verse we're going to kind of jump out of here. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know, the Word of God is going to talk to us about this life that we have to live. And the life is eternal life. Your life in Christ started in the cemetery, started in the graveyard, started at the tomb. When the ladies come and the angels sit there and say, well, you're looking for the living among the dead. He's not here. He's risen. He's gone. Life begins there. Life is eternal. It lasts forever but it's also a present possession, isn't it? It's something that we have now. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, I'm just going to read the verse, verse 8. He says, For bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. And that's a great verse when you think about it. And when you think about that verse, godliness, godlikeness, it's got a promise of life now. And for eternity. And what I do now and how I live now impacts that eternity. And the idea here about the, the issues here, at, at justification, when you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, when you said, you know what, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and you're the one. And I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. I'm committing myself to you. And he says, Glad you did. Here, I'm going to give you eternal life. You see, we get eternal life at salvation, at justification. But there's also more to life than just getting something. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, now the word is going to go to work. Notice the word, the end of that verse, the, the last of that verse, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe, trust, commit yourself to it. 
How do you know things are going to be what they are? Because God's word says that. When you look around the world, you know, I was watching, you guys have seen all the protests with Israel and Palestine and all that stuff. And there was, they interviewed some woman and she's like, you know, we can't trust what we're seeing. So the pictures of all the destruction is fake and phony. And you know, that's a sad thing. But that's life, isn't it? I was back in COVID happened and the masks were being mandated and all that. And everybody was flipping a wig about that, you know. And somebody brought up a thing we were talking about. Well, the Spanish flu or the smallpox or whatever happened back in the 18, early 1900s, you know. They made masks. You wear masks. And, and I said, yeah, but that was in a time when people trusted the government. When you think about historically what was happening in our country in the early 1900s, it cannot be compared to what's happening in our country today. Completely different. Completely different time and thought and measure and all of it. And he's like, yeah, well, they still may. I said, yeah, but the citizenry, you know, and, and off we go. When you think about life, Life now, it's coming from God's word, not man's words, not a theologian's words, not a scholarly word, but from God's word. Come over to John 6. Let's get up and go here. John 6. You see, when we talk about God's word effectually working in you, that belief, it isn't my word, okay? I got a lot of words, if you haven't noticed. It isn't that. It's what does God's word say? And the reason is, is because it's God's word that is where the life is. John 6, verse 63. Actually, yeah, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Oh, we need to remind ourselves of that from time to time. Your flesh, who you are in your humanity, is no profit at all. 663. In your human, in your flesh, in that thing that connects you to doing the things out here, you know what? There's no profit that will come out of it spiritually. You can look good. You can go to church Monday, Monday. You can come to church Monday. I'm here. We're working. You can come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible study on Monday night, Tucson on Friday night. You can do all of that. And it profits you nothing if you're not believing what the Word of God says. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak, and this is the Lord unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You see, they are spirit. That's where the, that's where the spirit begins to work. In Ephesians 3, he strengthens your inner man. He's, the word is life. It's, it's working in your inner man, not on your outer man. It's an innie, not an outie. Okay? It's an inner man thing. It's not an outward at all. What lasts forever is in your inner man, not in your flesh. If the Lord tarries, you're going to get old and die. You're actually going to get old, sick, and die. Gee, thanks, Rick. You're really uplifting today. I'm getting there, okay? I I posted the thing on Facebook, a little meme that says, you know, the the expression, enjoy them when they're young, and talking about kids usually, and and the little thing says your knees, your hips, your thigh, your shoulders, your, you know, remember them when they're young, right? Okay? But see, the thing is, is your outer man is perishing, Look over there. Hold on to John. Look at 2 Corinthians 4. You've got to remind yourself of this. This is the life, the life that you can live. You just remind yourself, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Isn't that the truth? The outward, this body of flesh, profit is nothing. You know what this is? This is a vehicle that, in how, that you inhouse, you, your soul, your spirit. Go back to John 6. And what begins to happen is, is the word is the spirit and the life. So where, where, where does life, where does spiritual life come from? It comes from the word of God working in your inner man, and you and I live in Christ, uh, the life in Christ. We call it the grace life sometimes. And, and this thing about it, we're living 
We have our inner man strengthened by the Word of God. God's Word is where the life sits. And it's where the Spirit of God works. Uh, hold on, to, look over at Philippians chapter 2. You see, when we talk about a life that you can live, we're not talking about winning the Powerball. We're not talking about having all your bills paid. Not talking about having easy street. You know that God never promised you easy street? Actually, he promised you the other. He promised you suffering. You're in Philippians, right? Look in chapter 1. Look at chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul said, look at that verse 29. It's Romans 8, 18. The sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Do you know the sufferings of the moment don't even make it onto the same thought system, the same thought level as the su as suffering, as the glory? In other words, we always do this, glory and suffering, and we're going to balance it out. Do you know it's this all the time? Glory I'm sorry, suffering, glory outweighs the suffering at every moment. That's the life. That's life. Philippians 2, verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, it's God's word. That's where life is. It's where the Spirit of God is going to work and where he's going to work in you and, and he's going to produce a life. And when we walk by faith, and that's the issue, when we walk by faith in an intelligent understanding of God's word to you, then that word is going to produce life. It's going to produce a lifestyle. And the word is what's giving you the word. Christ, he's giving you his life. You see, Christ gave his life for you at Calvary. And at that moment, you trusted him. He then gave you his life so that he can then come and live that life, his life, through you, out through you as we walk day by day by faith. In what? In an intelligent understanding of the word of God to me. What's that word say to me? It says X, Y, Z. Then guess what I'm going to go do? I'm going to go do ABC because I don't like XYZ. No, then it's not going to work. It's going to produce frustration. No, I'm going to come in. I'm going to have to have his word. By the way, that's why you've got a book you can trust. We looked at that. And then i got a study I can understand. So now that I can go into that book and I can know who I am, I can know where I am on the program of God. I can know who I am on that program on that stage, on that timeline, on that chart, and it's vital that then I understand who I am. I understand I'm not Israel. Boy, what a liberating fact to know that I, you and I are not Israel. We're not replacement Israel. We're not spiritual Israel. We're not any of it. We're not Israel, period. That's a wonderful thing because if you are Israel, you are doomed to fail. You're set up to fail. Because the law says you're guilty. Well, but I did it. You're still guilty. But I did it. You're still guilty. God's grace comes in and says, no. Yeah, you were guilty, but I did it. And now you're set free. And now you're free. Come over to Ephesians chapter 1. You see, it's wonderful to understand that we're the church, the body of Christ. It's wonderful to understand who you used to be that old man. It's wonderful to understand that, you know what I am? I'm a new man. I'm not the old. I'm the new. What a wonderful life. Yeah, but Rick, what does that do with helping pay bills? It doesn't. You still got to work. But you know what it does with that is it helps the attitude about it and the mindset and the thinking about it. I told you, we talked a couple weeks ago, you know, somebody said, well, God said for, God showed me that he didn't want me there because he made me lose my job so I would get a better job over here. And I said it, why didn't he put you in the better job to begin with? 
Because God's not doing that. Who told people that? Religion tells people that. The hierarchy, the thumb, under the thumb tells you that. Man, it's wonderful to know who I am in Christ and not go back under. And Ephesians 1 here begins to lay out some of this. And, and I just want to run, again, verses we're all familiar with. And if you're not, then they'll get you. If they are, you're refreshed by them and you remind yourself. That when we talk about this life that we can live, we're not talking about something artificial and stale and just robotic. We're talking about the life of Christ living where you live and the things that you do. And when you make decisions, he's there. And here, making decisions in an intelligent understanding of the word of God to you. You're not making a decision based on Leviticus 20. By the way, dietary laws. Sorry, you can't have bacon anymore with your eggs. Bacon makes everything better. Baking keeps everybody in, in check. See, last week the ladies had a thing and Linda made this bacon spread sandwich thingy. I said, you're going to leave some of that at home, aren't you? She goes, like, no. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know. And then my son comes and goes, hey, does mom have any more of that sandwich stuff? I go, yes, and it's mine. And then she goes, no, it's his. I'm like, no, it's mine. You know, you know, mom and her sons, you know, but it's his, right? You see, you can't eat bacon. You can't go down and have shrimp on the Barbie. Why? It's, it's not right. It's, it's unclean. It's like, wait a minute. It's great to know that, you know what, if I slip up and have a little sausage with my eggs, then I'm okay. See, the doctor might not like it, but it's okay. It's wonderful. Ephesians 1, start in verse 3, and, and I, some of this isn't always on the handout, and you'll just, we're just going to go down through it. Look at, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. See the blessed? Is that past or present? Past? That, if it's past, that means it's a present possession. That means I got it. I'm not waiting for it. It's not on its way. I got it. He's blessed us with what? All. All means all, baby. Woo. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Man, that's a wonderful thing to know where my home is, is in heavenly places. And when I look around the world today and I see the chaos over here and the stupidity over here, don't you just want to beat it out of them sometimes? You just, you know. You really do. Don't sit there holier than thou. No, I don't. I know you do, because I do. You just want to reach out and touch somebody, you know. Don't do it literally. Just I know you do. We all do. <laughs> okay, well, we won't go that far, Paul. Okay. But see, the thing is, is you're just, but your home's not here. You, if you were to die... Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be, be, you be. Man, that's a great thing. That's a comforting thing. That makes you look at life going, okay, yeah, I'm going to worry about how, if the electricity comes on, how I'm going to eat and pay the bills. I got that. That's normal. But that's not my life. When I worked at the bus yard driving school buses, I worked at three different yards, four different yards, four different school districts, because I wanted to see how, you know, you, I was at Mesa the longest, and I'm like, yeah, this is boring. I know how these people work. Let's go to Gilbert and see how they work. So we go over to Gilbert, work there, go, okay, they're, they're stupid just like Mesa. Okay, come over here to Chandler, because, you know, if I was in charge, it would all be good, you know, okay. So you come to Chandler, work there, come over here, do this. And you know what I begin to notice? There are people that their life is driving that school bus. And they couldn't understand why it wasn't my life. And then I get to talking to them about Christ, and they're going, okay, now we know you're really weird. You just stay right over there. See. Why? Because for people, their job is their life, isn't it? For some, it's their family. For some, it's their, their position in society. Some, it's the bank account. Some, it's the fact that they got to go to the Diamondback game on a $17 ticket, but they had to pay the $60 surcharge. That wasn't a $17 ticket, you know, okay? I changed the prices to protect the guilty, okay? 
You see, the thing is, is some, that's to people that, when you come into the Word of God, the Word of God says, no, that's not life. You know what life is? Life is in Christ Jesus. Life is in the Word. Ephesians 1, verse 6, Paul goes on in the spiritual blessings. By the way, from verse 3 down to verse 23, he lists the spiritual blessings for you and I. He does them quickly. He does them in a very doctrinal setting, an intricate part. And Paul demands the fact that you know the book of Romans. It's amazing how much Paul, Paul will say something demanding you to know the book of Romans, your foundational book. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you guys know that verse? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you know that Paul is demanding, he's anticipating, he's requiring that you understand Romans 3 and 4 when he makes that statement? There's no shed blood in any of that. There's the closest thing you... You get to it as verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Well, where was his great love? Romans 5, verse 8, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's demanding you know the doctrine. So he's building on that in Ephesians. Next year, my goal is to teach the book of Ephesians in this hour because of this building and this movement and this stuff. Now, i got some other things to do first, so we'll have fun doing all that. But my goal, why? Because Paul's, look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Who are you? Accepted in the beloved. Man, you think about that. You're accepted in the beloved one. Who's that? the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. It, the beloved, beloved. It's a title that the Father gives to the Son. Come back to Luke 3 and Matthew 3. Matthew 3, Luke 3. Now, if it's a title that the Father gives the Son and you're in the Son, then what is it? It's your title too. Luke 3, Mark, Matthew 3. Luke 3, Matthew 3. Matthew 3. Matthew 3, Luke 3. Matthew 3, Luke 3. Matthew 3, verse uh, 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. As Matthew depicts the Lord Jesus Christ as the King, and who he is for Israel, prophetically, is their king. The, the God the Father pronounces to the audience out there watching this happen, Thou, this is my beloved. He's my son. He's the one that I'm putting all the eggs of the basket on. He's it. Now look at Luke 3. Luke 3, 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying and heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in thee. I am well pleased. You see the thou, not of this. Now the father is saying it directly to who? To the son. Now come back to Ephesians 1. See, when you think about this issue of accepted in the beloved, where is my acceptance? It's not in my spouse. It's not in my family. It's not in my job. It's not in any other relationship. Where am I accepted? Now, don't get me wrong. We all want to be accepted. Whoops. We all want to be accepted. I get it. But where is my acceptance? It's in him. It's who I am in him. If my acceptance is in my spouse, what happens when my spouse lets me down? We call Pastor Rick. It's okay. You can call me. I usually sit like this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I know. You married him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. What happens when your family lets you down? Call Pastor Rick. Blows up. What happens when your job lets you down? What ha you, then you're all, what, you get all worked up. And the Holy Spirit and God sitting there going, what are you doing? Your acceptance is in any of that. Now, that's who you chose, the roles you chose to be in as a person. 
but your acceptance. The Father looks at you and says, you're in Christ. You're in my son. So you know what you are? You're my beloved. I hope, I I think about this. How does the Father view the Son? If you can't get anything else this morning, how does the Father view His Son? The preeminent one. The one. Do you know that the Father is crazy about His Son? The Lord Jesus Christ? And if I'm in His Son, then who's the Father crazy about? Me! Isn't that wonderful? Man, the Father is crazy about you. He loves you. He can't do, you couldn't do anything wrong anymore because of him. you're in his son. That identity. He's, the Father's crazy. About, hey, let that sink in sometimes. When you're sitting there in traffic going, if that idiot cuts me off one more time, I'm going to show him the front end of a Toyota, what it really looks like. I know you do it. And that guy, whoa, is he, whoa, man. If my husband comes home today and doesn't say a nice thing to me, I'm going to smack him into next week. And the father sits there and goes, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to work on this one a little bit. You see, the father loves you. But it's not just any love. It's an excelling love. It's an, an excellent love. It's a Romans 5.5. 5. Come on, hold on to Ephesians. Come to Romans 5. It's a, it's a love that just expounds over and over. Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The love of God is shed abroad. It's poured out. It takes up every nook and cranny. It fills out all the parts of your heart. The Holy Spirit who lives continuously in your life, he comes in and he's crazy about you. He loves you. He wants you to succeed. Not in the world's idea, but in who you are in Christ. So that when you are sitting in traffic, tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And the tribulation right now is the U.S. 60 on the way home at 530, and I just want to run them over. And he says, the love of God shed abroad in my heart. Woo, yay. And you sit there and you go, no, what do you, no, you are. You sit, take a breath, count to 100, take the side streets, go to 202, do something different. Leave an hour early. Leave an hour later. Whatever. You see, he's not looking for you to excel at life in that you never mess up. He's looking for you to excel in who you are in Christ. And you know what I'm going to excel in? I'm going to excel in the fact that, you know what, I know. Look at verse 3, 5-3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that. Tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. He loves us. Because we know that the Father loves us. Now come over to chapter 8 of Romans. We don't always feel it, though, do we? We don't always feel like He loves us. We're right in the middle of the troubles of the day, the troubles of life and the turmoil. And we don't feel, oh, you know, ooh, kumbaya, God loves me. You know, we don't do that. That's the body of this flesh getting involved. But you know what the verse says? The verse says he loves you. The, the, ver, the verse comes in and says, God's word says he loves you. I don't feel like he loves me. But the verse says what? He loves me. I'm accepted in the beloved, the beloved one. He's crazy about me. He loves me. Boy, it's a good thing we walk by faith, isn't it? If we walk by sight wondering why he didn't love me today, we're in trouble. We're, all, we're most men miserable. You see, the struggles of life, no matter what they are, boils down to how you react to them. How do you look at them? And when you live out of who you are in Christ. You see, you and I live out of how we understand us to be, who we are. Okay? You see, you live out of how you understand yourself to be. Where am I here? 
I'm mom, I'm, I'm wife, I'm mom, I'm grandma, I'm husband, I'm dad, I'm granddad. How, how, where am I? That's where I'm living my life. He says, no, you need to live out of who you are in Christ. Who are you? You're beloved. Boy, what a life. That's a different perspective. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Boy, what a question. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why does He love you? Because you're beloved. You're in Christ. No matter what comes. I love verse 37. Nay, in all these things, all what things? The physical things in verse 35 and 36. The spiritual, supernatural things coming in verse 38 and 39. And by the way, you know why verse 38 and 39 are there? Because Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, you, you and I don't do battle amongst each other. We're doing battle in the heavenly places, in that spirit realm out there. Even right now, as you come and do and live life, those angels, those uh, fallen angels are looking at you going, let's see if they live by grace today. Let's see if they operate in the Word of God today. And then you go over there and stump your toe and use a few words you shouldn't be using or do something you shouldn't be doing. And they sit there and say, ah, oh, yeah, see, look at that. And the elect angel sits over there and goes, yeah, he didn't do very good today, did he? But let's see how he does tomorrow. Then you stump your toe again on something, and then you respond positively, and you say, yeah, yeah, okay, he's coming around. And the other guy goes, oh, man, we got to just, you know, and you may think that's, you know, a little crazy, but that's what you do with others, don't you? Lost and unlost, or lost and saved together. Anyway, look at verse 7. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know what God's view is? You know what your view is? Life is not the enemy. <gasps> but Rick, what about? No. You're a more than conqueror through him that what? Loved us. Wow, what a way to look at life. Now, I'm not saying don't pay bills and don't feed the family and, you know, kick the wife and shoot the dog. None of that. Okay? I'm just talking about how, how that life you're going to live. You're going to come and live at 2 Corinthians 5 as a new man. we got terminology that Paul's going to use, 2 Corinthians 5. You see, God's view is life isn't the enemy. So you know what your view should be? Life isn't the enemy. Now I'm going to look at life a little different, aren't I? Now I'm going to go live life as who I am in Christ. And who am I in Christ? Well, I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things were become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And I know what they say. All oh, see that new creature? That's creation. Well, no, duh, duh. What is a creation? It's a new living creature. Was that hard? Ooh. No, it's what it is. You're a new creature. You are a new living creature. Come over to Galatians 6. Galatians 6, verse 15. Galatians 6, 15. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. What counts with God today? Not circumcision, uncircumcision, dispensation, the, the Israel religion. What counts today? The new creature. And if I'm a new creature, that means I was once a what? An old creature. See? Come on over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. So what's Paul going to do? He's going to pick up on the replacement principle that you learned in Romans 6, 7, and 8. And he's going to come in here in Romans, Ephesians 4, verse number 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You see that put off, put on? There's the replacement idea. You're going to put something off. You're going to put something on. It takes 30 days to break a habit. Not me, man. I'm done in two weeks. Baloney, because if I slid it back in front of you, you're going to be gobbling it down. It takes 28 to 30 days to create a habit. 
to break an old one and to replace it with the new one. What am I doing here? I'm taking off the old man. Verse 22. See, that you put off concerning the former conversation. Colossians calls it, you're going to put off the old man with his deeds. I'm putting off that. I'm going to be renewed, verse 23, in the spirit of my mind, and I'm going to put on the new man, verse 24, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The old man, that's who you are in Adam. That's the natural man. As an old man, who you are in Adam, you got a dead spirit. Spirit, You're separated from God. You've got a darkened soul. There's no light from God. You've got a depraved body, that body of sin. By the way, this is verse 17, 18, and 19 just so you know where it's coming from. But you know what that new man does? This is who you are. Now you are what? Now you have a living spirit, Ephesians 2.1. Uh, now you're connected to God. Now you've got light in your soul, in your inner man. And that body has been set free from the bondage of sin to come over here now and to become a vehicle that you use, not the source of your life, but now just a vehicle that you can go now and live the life. But you know what? You know what the key is? is verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're going to put off the old, you're going to put all of Adam off. I ain't doing that. And you're going to come over here. By the way, that's not who you are. You're not that anymore. Over there to the Corinthians, he said, and such were some of you but ye are washed and then sanctified and so forth. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. I'm going to put on who I am. I'm going to put on all that God has made me in Christ. See that verse 24? Which after God has created, the new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's who I am. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, Renew the spirit of my mind. I'm going to Romans 12 to it. Come over there to Romans 12. I was going to quote it, but you need to see it. Romans 12. Romans 12. You see, folks, when we talk about a life that you can live, we're not talking about over here winning the Powerball and getting a high-paying job and doing this and doing that. We're talking about life in Christ, where you are. Because right now you're here. Next week you may be here. Next over here. Next over and you, when you go, you go and you take him with you, and he loves you. He's crazy about you, and he gave you his life to go live where you live. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Boy, wah, 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 we could spend hours there. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Man, there's hours there. You know what proper worship is today? It's presenting your body a living sacrifice. There's a mentality, a thinking about, it's not mine, it's his. He bought me with the price. I belong to him. I'm going to go and live for him, no matter what the situation is. Which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, here it is. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, why? You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Through the daily intake of God's word, you will have an impact in your thinking, in your inner man, and, and, and that impacts your activity on the outside. When he says, be honest with all men, that means you're going to stop doing what? Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're going to stop. If my goal is to be honest with all men, then what does that mean? I means I got to tell the truth regardless of the consequence. That's a difference, isn't it? What, it what, what happens in Adam? Well, we tell a little white lie so we don't have consequence. And then the white lie becomes a gray lie, becomes a black lie, becomes a big lie, becomes a big boulder in the room, becomes the elephant. And we can't get away because we just started over here because we didn't want to suffer consequence in the moment temporarily. Paul says, no, your life, you're going to be over here. Come back to Ephesians 1. What you think on the inside is what's going to come out on the outside. Because out of the heart, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Ephesians 1. What are you? You're accepted in the beloved. Verse 7. In whom ye have redemption 
through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Wow. In whom? In the Beloved. In who you are in Christ. What do you have? You have forgiveness. That's wonderful. You have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is the first step in life. Because forgiveness is where everything settles. Colossians 2, he says, he's been forgiven all trespasses. You're totally and completely forgiven. All of it, past, present, and future. All the debt is cleared in him. If you come over to chapter 4 of Ephesians and verse 32, 432. How about living this verse for a little bit? And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Do you know, you know what forgiveness does for you? It gives you the ability to forgive others. You know why? Because you know what it is to be forgiven. Because who were you before he forgave you? You're a dirty, rotten rascal. You're a scoundrel. You're a thief. You're a liar. I was not. I was a good... No, that's who you are. You're in Adam. You come and trust him, and what does he do? He forgives. So now what can I do? I can turn around, and I can forgive myself. That's step one, by the way. Self-forgiveness. Why? Because I'm who I am in Christ, and therefore I'm forgiven, so I'm going to view myself as what? Forgiven. And now I can turn and I can forgive others, and I can have that attitude, not a get-even attitude. Boy, could you imagine that in your marriage, in your family? Ooh, got the meddling, didn't I? Ephesians 1. Well, Romans 4. Nah, you know what, Ephesians 1. We'll just stay here. We got just a few minutes. Nah, go to Romans 4. Come on. It's the next one I know, Romans 4. All this stuff is good, folks. You know, I had eight pages of references, literally. Legal, you know, the yellow pad. Every line, I had eight pages of them front and back of verses to look at. Because, man, it's a life you can live. Nobody's making you do this, by the way. You notice this? You're doing this because of what? Of just who you are in Christ. That, that attitude of gratitude, thanksgiving. Romans 4, verse 4, Now to him that worketh it is reward, it is a reward, but not reckon of grace, but of debt. Whoa, there you go. Here's how God thinks about all this issue of forgiveness. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That's the only answer, the only response that God will ever accept of all, over all of humanity, all of it, from Adam to the end, is the issue of the response of faith and the word of God to them in the moment. The only response that God will accept from you, the only response God's grace accepts from you is faith alone. That's it. So when you come by faith but bring in you with it, no, it's unacceptable. They've got to bring what? Just faith. Verse 6, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Isn't that wonderful? You ever wonder how God forgave David for having an affair with Bathsheba and then having her husband killed? He committed adultery and then he committed murder. The law said he's guilty, guilty, dead, dead, double dead. Double dead dog, double dog dead. God says, no, you're not. I'm going to forgive you. David goes and does what Nathan tells the Lord told him to do. But notice, imputed righteousness, what? Without works. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. David's saying this, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You see, in life, what a way to look at it. What a way to look. Wow, I messed up, and it's forgiven. Now, I'm going to do my best not to mess up again. Sure, that's a natural response. But wow, how can that be? Because it's his grace. Because he loves you. 
And he doesn't love you just a little bit. He loves you a lot. He took care of your sin problem. So when you go back there to Ephesians 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to, here is the standard, the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Not only, man, it gets better. Not only am I, do I have my acceptance in him, not only do I have my forgiveness in him, the one who will never fail me, my acceptance, my forgiveness, now I have an inheritance, and it's in the one who will never fail me, who will never let me go, who will never leave me, who will never reject me, who will never forsake me. Sometimes some of us have, have abandonment issues that come up, and he will never abandon you. Why? Because you're sealed with the Spirit. You're his. He, you can't, he can't lose you, even if he tried. By the way, he's not trying, uh, except on days that end in Y, and then he's really working on you. No, no, not at all. Okay? He says, I love you. You're mine. He's going to, chapter 2, verse 6, he's made us... He's raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the end of chapter 1. Verse 18, for, not, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Chapter 3, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. That's the Lord. That's the Father sitting there going, listen, not only are you accepted, not only are you forgiven, not only do you have an inheritance in the heavenly places, but you have direct access to me. You have direct access to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, great, man. Life's just wonderful. No, man, what, that's, boy, what a life you can live. And you're living that because of who you are in Christ. And the Word of God works effectually in them that believe. God has radically changed you. Colossians calls it the operation of God. You don't feel it. You may feel the, the, the emotion of relief. That's a normal, that's a natural thing. But you don't feel him come in and do this to you. You learn it from the word of God. And by faith, that walk of faith and an intelligent understanding of who we are in Christ. You see, folks, that's the reality of our life. And we need to live in this reality. And we need to claim this reality by faith. We need to... Ye, we, we're going to come in and we're going to yield to his righteousness, to his thinking. We're going to give ourselves over to his word. We're going to view ourselves the way he views you. We're going to obey his word, his instructions. We're going to put off and put on. We're going to come in and we're going to Titus 1, 12 it real quick. Last verse, Titus 1 before Titus 2, I'm sorry, Titus 2. Titus 2, verse 12. First mistake I made this morning. 2.12. If you believe that, see Linda, because I'm about to make a five-minute mistake here. 2.12. Teaching us that the grace of God, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, teaching us. The grace of God is going to come and teach. The word of God to us today in the age of grace is going to come, and he's going to begin to teach and what grace is going to say is denying ungodliness and worldly lust. He's going to say, you see that? That's not who you are. You are not ungodly. You are not in the worldly lust. You're to put off all that. You're to put off the old man. You're to put on. And you're going to deny it. You know what it is to deny? That's to stop. I'm not living that way anymore. I'm stopping it. I'm denying. The old life has no claim on me. That's the first step in the life that you can live. Then grace says, this is who you are. This is who you put on. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Soberly, the renewed mind that thinks soberly about the reality of who I am. Who am I? I'm accepted. I'm beloved. I'm the whole list, Romans 6, 7, and 8. I'm freed from sin. I'm free from the law. And I'm free from the flesh and the lust thereof it. 
He crucified that old man and the lust thereof. It's done. I'm free from that. I don't, that has no control over me. So when I get angry and when I sin, who did it? I did it. I let the old man back in the barn. I did that. God didn't do it to teach you a lesson. So you'll give 20% next year to make up for the lesson. No. He says, you did that. Why? My status is as a new man. What am I going to do? I'm going to deny so that I can live godly, soberly, sorry, righteously. I can come and live in the rightness of who I am. I can do right regardless of the consequence. Because that's who I am. I can live godly. I can think like God thinks about not only me, because that's the first step, but I can then turn and I can think about godly, about what's going on around me in my world, in my realm. And when I see others get all tripped up and worked up and shoot to the moon and back and all this stuff, emotionally, I can sit there groundedly because look at where I'm doing it, the end of verse 12, in this present world. The life that I live right here, right now. You see, this present world. Philippians 1, verse number 21, the Apostle Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But for to me, to live, right now in this present world, it's Christ. This is how I'm going to live. I'm going to take God's word. I'm going to study it. I'm going to begin to understand who I am in Christ. I'm going to begin to understand he's my life. I'm going to, I understand he gave my, his life for me at Calvary so that he could live that life, that, he, that resurrection, that newness of life day by day in me. As I walk by faith and an intelligent understanding of his word to me. Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead as they say. Why? Because that's a life to live. To live anything else is to live in not who you are. It's to live that. Man, so what a life we have to live. We call it the grace life and we call it some different things over, but man, that life, that life in Christ. Nobody telling me, nobody directing you, nobody pulling your chains or anything. The word of God working effectually in you that believe. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the life that you've given to us and the life that we have in you. We thank you for that. We thank you for all the spiritual blessings, for the completeness, and the fact that you just require our faith and our thankfulness for all that. And Lord, I just pray as we go in the week and as we go day by day in our lives where we live, that we would just remind ourselves that the word of God effectually worketh in us that believe. And it's the life, your life, that we're living and we're manifesting. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's be dismissed with the song.